0: My name is Dr. Joanna Pagonas and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. Tackle Tuesday is a podcast series that tackles different issues in the workplace. We explore topics such as leading with emotion, diversity and inclusion, and how to create resilient and agile work cultures. Today's episode is sponsored by SinoGap Solutions. We work closely with emerging leaders to help you develop a clear vision of your authentic self, and to discover your passion and how it aligns with your purpose. Once you have a clear understanding of your purpose and vision for your future, you'll be able to discover your path for continuous growth along with the energy and enthusiasm necessary to sustain you during the most challenging moments in your life. We encourage you to visit our website at zinogapsolutions.com and explore the courses we offer that will help you develop the mindset, and capabilities to be an inspirational leader. Welcome everyone to Tackle Tuesday. Today, I'm really excited. I'm going to be talking to Elise Catherine, who is a certified life and wellness coach, yoga and meditation instructor. She helps folks go from feeling disconnected and stuck Frustrated in life and wondering things like, is this what it's supposed to be like to feeling excited about creating a life they are connected to? Elise does this through the use of multitude of coaching techniques and tools through yoga and mindfulness, facilitation, intuition, and all with the goal of supporting her clients and reconnecting to their bodies and themselves in order to build a life they love. So I'm really excited to have you on the show how are you today?
1: I'm really good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I was uh woke up. It's a little chilly outside, went and got a coffee, but uh I'm happy, happy to be here.
0: Good. And I mean just even reading your bio and sharing that with the listeners, it's I'm like, I can definitely relate to that. And I think through the year that we've had of COVID and now that there's some hope with the vaccines, but you know. This thing about, is, is this what it's supposed to be like? And feeling disconnected from our, our, our bodies is something that I struggled with a lot last year. And it's funny, this year, I think I just made a commitment to myself to, to be like, you know what? I think I'm I'm pushing myself too much. I think my expectations of what I can achieve are too high. And and I had a good session with my therapist and she kind of helped me reconnect to my my body, right? In a sense where, give yourself some grace you know it's been a rough year um, and and just you know take it easy and it's it's okay to take it easy and and i started to see a change and so this is great timing because i'm at the shift where i'm i'm starting to see a change in my mind and my body and and i'm thinking more positively and 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 with a more of an optimistic mindset and so i'm sure some of our listeners are Perhaps where I'm at now, or maybe they are where I was before, or like really struggling and in a rut trying to get out. So mm-hmm. I have no doubt that our conversation will inspire them and maybe give them some ideas around how to shake things up a little bit. And yeah. I, all right. So you and I have a very similar history in terms of our work experience. You both worked for the government of Alberta mm-hmm. and then said is this what it's supposed to be like? <laughs> decided to launch our own businesses. Yeah. And I, I want to hear your journey. How did you go from government, full-time employee to business woman entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, gosh, it was such a journey. And it was, um, I, I try not to use that word because it, it's it's uh, used a lot these days. So I, I'm always in search of like, what else can I say that, that isn't, uh, doesn't feel so cliche, but, Uh, For the lack of something better, it was a journey. you know, when I was young, I I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, You know, school was honestly, when I was young, not something that I super excelled at. And I just knew when I was going into my first big girl job that I wanted to help people and support people. And so I went down the road of HR. I had a really great experience in government. Um, I was really supported in moving around, broadening my experiences, um, and and through that time, I, you know, I worked in like the kind of traditional HR consulting for, oh gosh, five, four years or so. And um, as I, you know, got my degree and moved through kind of that experience, I started to have this kind of voice in the back of my head being like, is this really for you? (laughs) And it just kind of, it was perpetual and it was always there. And I found myself always thinking, okay, once I get to the next thing, then that'll be the thing. And so it was, okay, once I get my degree, then, you know, that'll be the thing. Once I'm in a really full consulting role, then I'll feel really good about what I'm doing. Um, And that kind of kept happening. And I started to kind of ask myself the question, you know, why is nothing that I'm doing? You know, I, I went down a road that I thought felt aligned for me. Why am I never feeling fulfilled in what I'm doing? And so over time, it, it really, that persisted. And eventually I transitioned into more of an organizational development role. So doing a lot of uh, employee engagement work. Um, I, I used to be terrified of public speaking, would lose sleep for a week prior to, to doing a session or something like that. If I absolutely had to do one, I usually would have to be volunteered to do it. And then, you know, call it, you know, divine intervention, call it, um, you know, just an evolution of the self. But um, I started to realize that I actually really liked public speaking and I liked facilitating and I liked, you know, teaching and, and doing courses and um, supporting people in learning and growing. And so it was a real shift of like, oh gosh, this was something I, I really disliked to the point of like, I would get anxiety uh, about it beforehand. Oh, this is actually a really big skill set of mine and something that, you know, I started to get great feedback around um, the environment that I could create for people to learn and grow. And so um, as time went on, I really uh, transitioned more into that type of role and then um, moved into a leadership development role. And I had a wonderful experience with an assistant deputy minister and a colleague who We uh, were able to do some really cool and amazing things around leadership development, coaching leaders, uh, helping develop that side of ourselves and and maybe help to bridge the gap between, you know, folks that are in the operational roles and then shifting into that leadership space. It's a big gap um, if we're not prepared for it. So supporting folks through that. And then, you know, as time went on, there was a lot going on in my family life and my personal life with my own health. Went part time for a little while, kind of transitioned away, thinking, you know, maybe, maybe there's something else. I took my uh, yoga teacher training, which I'm so grateful and privileged to be able to to share that practice with people and facilitate for folks. Um, and yeah, and as time went on, the idea of like what I should be doing kind of took over. I was I was following my my intuition and my gut around moving into a different role, and then the shoulds kind of came in. And I started thinking about, you know what, I should be earning a full-time income, you know, maybe going down this road of, I was trying to think about maybe coaching or yoga or whatever that would look like. And I just, I I talked myself out of it, to be frank, and and moved back into full-time role as um, there was a lot of shifts and changes going on in government and and my work at that time. And so that operational stuff really took over and I was kind of pushed out of the, not pushed, but I was moved out of the facilitation and, and organizational development type stuff. And that was really where my heart was. And I had this kind of realization of like, I just, I I think it's time for me to really take that step. And um, what led me to that place was honestly, my body, my mind, everything in me saying enough. Um, My mental health started to really struggle. Um, There was a lot going on, like I said, in my family life. Um, And I just, I realized how unwell and unhappy I had become by ignoring that voice inside of me saying like there's something else you should be doing. And so around that time, I decided, you know, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna transition out of government, I'm going to start my own business, I'm gonna, I had been doing a lot of coaching, but I didn't have a certification in it at that point. So I thought, you know, I'll certify myself. Um, And and I moved into uh, more of an entrepreneurial type of life. It's been, gosh, that was in the end of 2019. Um, My father passed away not long after I left government. And so that was interesting timing. You know, obviously grief is such a tricky thing and there's so much to that, but it really um, provided space for me to kind of heal and learn and grow um, in a new way. After I left government. And so looking back, I think the timing was all very much what it needed to be. And here we are.
0: That's great. So there was a couple of things that you said that piqued my interest, and I wanted to dig deep a little bit more with you. So you talked about gut intuition, but you pushed that a little bit aside until almost like all of these changes were thrust upon you. And cause this physical reaction that you couldn't ignore anymore, and it just it made me think of a, a TED talk that I was watching the other day. His name is Bill Ekstrom. I think he's the president of Ecel. Any case, he talks about this mm-hmm. um, comfort will ruin your life. I think that's mm-hmm. what the TED talk is called, and he says that sometimes he talks about these different types of rings, a comfort ring and a complexity ring. There's a few other rings. The complexity ring is when we're in a state of change or something is happening to us. We're we're not in a state of comfort anymore. And, it it forces us to need to do something different. And he said, sometimes it can happen through it's you initiate it yourself, but it sounds like you, you wanted to, you start to take the steps to do that, but then you stopped. Mm -hmm. Other times somebody can help you get there. And other times it's thrust upon you. So what I'm hearing you say is in many ways, it was thrust upon you when you were taken out of the role that you loved, probably, which is what kept you there for as long As you stayed was you loved the work. I think it aligns with what you're saying. You love to help people being a facilitator helping individuals become better leaders. I mean like that is very soul gratifying. But then when that was shifted on you. It was like this change happened to you, thrust upon you, and it threw you into a complexity where you had to make a, a decision. Can you talk a little bit about and because and, I'm I'm just thinking about myself too when I ignored it, I ignored it, I ignored it. I had a very similar journey to you as well. Just ignored it until I woke up one day in a panic attack and realized this can't be what my life is like anymore. It was it was like a slap across the face. It was like my body telling my mind, you gotta do something different here, girl, because like this ain't working for me. So can you? talk, you talk about body and mind a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more about the body and mind connection? Because I think there's a lot, there's more science around it. But for the longest time, there was this belief that body and mind are disconnected, and don't influence one another. So c- could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh, yes. And that um, is a real kind of focus and interest of mine right now. Um, because for me, I, during that time, I don't think I realized what was happening. But as you said, you know, I had a similar experience where I got to work one morning and I had a panic attack and I really had never, I had suffered, you know, had challenges with anxiety and phases of, of mental health kind of going up and down. Um, and, but I had never experienced a panic attack like that. And I got to work and I just broke down for no reason. Like there was nothing specifically that happened. And I just remember thinking, this is not normal. This is, I can, I know myself and I know something is wrong. Um, And I took a a pause and I went off of work for a little while. I got very sick. Like I could just tell that my body had completely, not completely shut down. I shouldn't, you know, over-exaggerate, but to the sense of like, for me, I was not a function, I wasn't functioning well in my body. Um, And so, yeah, I am so passionate and interested in that body-mind connection because um, we really like you said, there's research, a lot of research coming out around and, and understandings and teachings coming out around the idea that we always believed that our mind was the thing that was driving everything. But we're now learning through the practice of somatic work, through um, a lot of the studies of you know yoga and some of the different techniques around that, breath work all of that, how much we actually hold in our nervous system in our body, the majority of us are in a perpetual state of fight, flight, or freeze. Um, Because of society, because of culture, because of, you know, the way that we've structured our lives, we're constantly on our phones, emails, mind is going a million miles a minute. And it's hard for us to slow down, and that we've primed ourselves to be in that space. And it's not to blame or to say, you know, it's anybody's fault, I think we've just kind of gotten to this place. And so for me, I um, am doing more and more learning around how I can utilize somatics and that connection to our body to help us come back down to our, our natural state of being. And for me, as I, you know, moved away from the full time career and government and all of those things, such an important practice for me was reconnecting with my body and therefore reconnecting with myself. And so that's why I talk about um, like on my website and and kind of my motto is coming home to yourself because my belief through my coaching practice, through, you know, everything that I do is that we have the wisdom and the answers inside of us. And through, you know, working with a coach, through working with a therapist or counselor, through doing some of our own self-work, whatever that looks like for us, there's a million different ways we can go about that. If we can facilitate that connection back to our bodies, back to our minds, and really get into the essence of who we are, I think that's how we prevent the effect of, I ignore, I ignore, I ignore the things that my body, my mind, my heart are telling me to a point where then I'm forced into it via, you know, being unwell, or maybe some mental health challenges, things like that. And not to say that that's a broad statement for anybody who's experiencing those things, but I think it can be for a lot of us. And it certainly was my experience. But you said something that
0: I, intrigued me and I want to dig deep into this as well, which is coming home to ourselves. Talk mm-hmm. to me about that concept a bit more.
1: Yeah, you know, like I had said, I, I felt as I was kind of going through these different phases of life. And, you know, I say that, oh, I left government and it was, that was kind of like a two or three year span. But this was happening like, gosh, when I first finished my first diploma at 8th. Uh, when I was in my early 20s. So it was something that was there all along that I just chose to ignore. And, um, and and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everybody has to be an entrepreneur, everybody has to do this or that or whatever. But maybe it's that, you know, I'm I'm in a program at school, uh, in university, and like, I'm realizing something is telling me that like, I just don't really want to do this for the rest of my life. And those were the types of things that were coming up for me that I was like, I just don't feel like I fit in any of the places in my life that I have found myself in or created for myself. For a long time, we've been, as a society, told, you know, you need to manage your emotions. And it's like, no, we actually need to feel our emotions. Yes. As we feel our emotions, we learn to move through them. Therefore, we cope differently. But there's like this disconnect of like, no, you have to cut yourself off, but you're cutting yourself off from yourself. And so, you know, one of the biggest kind of realizations for me prior to kind of saying uh oh i my whole motto is coming home to myself was when my father passed away um you know he wasn't well but it was sudden in a lot of ways and caught me completely off guard the rug felt like it was pulled out from under me you know i was moving into this new phase of my life and excited and um you know he was a big support system in that sense and then he was just gone and as i was kind of having to pick myself back up and move through grief and everything that that experience lends itself to um I started realizing how when I I I took a month off I really just kind of stayed in my home did what we needed to do and it was right before Christmas so kind of spent time with family and all that and I could really allow myself to feel a lot as soon as I went back out into the real world quote unquote um, I noticed myself cutting those emotions off. I was, um, you know, I'd be out in public and all of a sudden I would feel this well of emotion and be like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And I would talk myself out of, you know, crying over the loss of my dad. And what really was interesting to me was that, you know, I would think, okay, I'm going to cry when I get in the car. I have a long drive home. I live in Beaumont, so I'd be downtown or wherever. And I'd say, I'm going to cry on the way home. And then I would get in the car and I would try and like, listen to music or do something to facilitate the feelings that I could feel were stuck in my body. I could feel it. Um, and it didn't, it wouldn't happen. It just, I would drive the whole way home and be like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to cry. Like, I, I feel like I need to, what ended up really supporting me in that is getting onto my yoga mat. And usually I wasn't doing a whole lot. I would, you know, maybe do a couple shapes or, or postures and through movement and breath those emotions would come up and out and I would lay on the floor and I would cry for 20 minutes or whatever I needed. And then I could be like, okay, I can feel that that's past. I can feel that sensation after you have a good cry that, oh, I've, I've expressed what I needed to express in this moment. And that was the real kind of all of the pieces coming together of like, if I want to, specifically in that time, it was with relation to processing grief, and I was really passionate about talking about grief at that time, and still am, um, I need to be in connection with myself. I need to allow it, and I'm, I'm not. And so what can I practice in my day-to-day life that will facilitate that connection back to myself? And, and it, over time, it really felt like this is just a coming back home to who I am. And I think it's, it goes both ways too. I was just reflecting the other day. Um, I was listening to a song and I love music. It's so, uh, it, it elicits a lot for me. And um, I was listening to a song and it was like summery and upbeat. And I was like cleaning the kitchen, I think, or something, nothing that exciting or fun. And I started like, I could just feel like I wanted to like dance and sing the song and it, it did the not the opposite, but it it allowed me to facilitate more of a joyful feeling within myself while doing something that's like meh, cleaning the kitchen, right? Not something that, you know, we usually get that excited about, but I just started reflecting on, you know, that, that yet we have, I think, a lot of work as, as a society to reconnect back into those harder feelings. Um, but without reconnecting into those harder feelings, we never get to really feel the fullness of the, the quote unquote, good feelings or the joyful ones. And I know Brene Brown talks about that, that, you know, studies show we can't selectively numb. So when we avoid the hard stuff, we also avoid really feeling all the good stuff too. And I don't like using good and bad, but for the sake of ease, we'll, we'll go with that. But um, yeah. And I just, it was kind of like a beautiful reminder of like, oh yeah, like a new Justin Bieber song. I'm not even that big of a fan of his, but it just, I was like, yes, I love this song It's so catchy. And I was like dancing and singing in the kitchen as I'm like doing dishes and cleaning. And I was like, it's just, it's so beautiful once you can start to facilitate that. And it's a practice. It's something, because I think, you know, we look around the world right now, things are really hard and there's a lot happening for a lot of communities of people, um, a lot of injustice happening, um, a lot of fear, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and that's not even talking about COVID, Um, right? You know, there's a lot. And so um, I just think that, you know, the more we can work towards holding space for ourselves, the more that when these hard things happen, we know how to pivot and how to move, because, you know, coming home to yourself is not a, okay, now I'm home, and that's it, right? Life changes, and things happen, and hard things happen, and good things happen. And it's all part of the human experience and being alive. And so the more we can reconnect to ourselves, the more as those ups and downs and twists and turns come, we can really navigate that in a different way, I guess.
0: So there's two words that are popping up. Like one is mindfulness. Is that what you're talking about? Is that what mindfulness really is?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think mindfulness is such a, you know, it's, it can be kind of looked at in a multitude of different ways. And I'm so grateful for, you know, the practices that are outside of my own culture, um, and my own, you know, being a, a white cisgendered woman and, and having the ability and the privilege to share those, you know, mindfulness, meditation practices, yogic practices, things like that. Right. Um, and, you know, for me, it's about part of mindfulness is creating space between the thoughts and being then able to observe and start to be a little bit more present around how am I showing up in my life? And, you know, I think sometimes we think with mindfulness, it's like, I'm not supposed to have any thoughts. But to me, that feels unattainable for a lot of us. Um, you know, if we are having thoughts, we're alive. So I, I kind of equate that as like, that's a good thing. Um, but it's about creating space and then allowing some of that peace to kind of come in and and allowing space between the thoughts and a lot of the the chaos and things that are happening around us to really just give us some space to come back inward to ourselves. And that can be a really hard thing to do. Um, It's not easy. And it's, it's not something that is accessible to everyone all the time, coming back to the mind body connection, right? For, for, you know, the last year after my father passed away, health issues came up, there was a lot that came up. um, And my nervous system was very dysregulated. So the idea of sitting down and closing my eyes in silence felt like torture. It felt so awful. And I didn't do it for a long time. And I had to find other ways to connect with myself and support myself because sitting in mindfulness just felt like torture. And and that's the opposite that I wanted to facilitate in myself. I wanted to facilitate some peace and ease. So Um, yeah, I think with mindfulness, it's, it can look at different ways, you know, running, walking, it's, it's about for a lot of people that can be really presenting and bring you into this present moment. And for me, that's ultimately what about, that's what it's about is finding these practices that can give us those space between the thoughts, allow us to be in the present moment and reconnect with ourselves and, and what's happening.
0: The other word that is um, sticking out for me, and it's a word that comes up from your website, which is one of the reasons why I even wanted to connect with you, but I'm, I'm I'm, I'm seeing a connection to what we've just discussed to this. And it's the term called radical acceptance. Talk a little bit more about radical acceptance and um, how it aligns with everything that we've just discussed. Because I'm hearing a lot of what you said is you had to accept the reality in many instances mm-hmm. to be able to move forward. To move through mm-hmm. it and forward from it. Um, so talk a little bit about that concept.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, radical acceptance, I always like to kind of put on the front, the forefront of a conversation like this around, you know, when we talk about radical acceptance, we're not talking about um, social injustice, abusive situations, any of those really extreme things, because I think those need action. <laughs> we don't want to sit back and allow, you know, uh, unhealthy and actually harmful things to to continue on. And we're like, oh, I'm just going to accept this. Um, So with that caveat uh, in this conversation, um, you know, for me, radical acceptance is a practice. And it's really about accepting and, and looking at the reality of what is happening in your life and around you and acknowledging the space that you're in. Um, through my coaching, you know, we spend a lot of time in an acceptance phase. Once we've realized like, okay, here's the things that are holding me back from reaching my goals. Let's create some acceptance around them because the reality is things, when I don't say this in like a mystical woo woo way of like everything happens for a reason, but like things, people, experiences in our life happen because of other things that have led us to that point, whether that's you took a certain program in school, you talked to a certain person, whatever it is, the reality is that certain steps in life, whether they were yours, or somebody else's led you to this point. And so being able to accept that and say, okay, there is a reason why this situation came to be, let me look at that, understand it, and then make changes or choices from that place, letting go of the judgment. So when I talk with my clients about um, radical about acceptance and and being in that space, it's, you know, looking at maybe some of our self sabotaging behaviors, or some of the things that we're doing that are holding ourselves back, and not judging those, because when did judgment ever change anything for the better? (laughs) I don't, I don't know that it has, it certainly hasn't in my own experience for myself and judging myself. So, you know, it's about kind of letting that go, acknowledging what's, In the now and here, making peace with that and saying, like, it's okay, you know, I did these things because it's a cope, it was a coping mechanism. At one point, this situation served me. At one point, I made these choices for a reason that doesn't, you know, serve me or support me and where I want to go anymore. So now I will make a different choice. And so it's really for me about dropping the judgment and just being able to, you know, hold space for ourselves and our current reality to then make a choice. And move forward or or do something differently, or maybe not. Maybe through that radical acceptance, you realize like, this is exactly where I want to be.
0: Right. You know, I'm thinking of the five stages of grief. The last one is acceptance, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, the five stages of grief, I never really subscribed to because I felt like when I was going through grief, I was like, I don't feel stages. I feel like a hot mess. I feel like <laughs> I'm all over the place. One minute I'm accepting, the next minute I'm super angry. And um but but yeah acceptance is one of them i'm not sure what what stage it's in but um yeah i think it's just i think sometimes that we have a hard time
0: but i guess to your point even with radical acceptance even if you get there doesn't mean you stay there right you, yeah. it's a, it's a process mm-hmm. so okay, yeah. how how does someone work towards radical acceptance
1: Well, I think it's a practice. I mean, I don't uh, claim to say that I have it all figured out or I'm constantly in this space because, you know, as we've said, there's so much happening in the world and so much being triggered for people. I think, you know, kind of going back to the mind-body connection piece too, the more we're in a space of judgment and um, kind of coming at ourselves or others from a place of maybe that's judgment, frustration, anger. Um, the more we're kind of, we're facilitating more stress in ourselves, which further kind of disassociates or disconnects us from the heart of of what we want or what we need to be doing or what those right next steps are. So it can sometimes kind of be this self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, for me, I think working, having someone to talk to about it, whether that, you know, is a coach or counselor, or perhaps, you know, a confidant or a friend or somebody that you can really To hold space for you, but also reflect back to you when maybe you're kind of stuck in that loop. Because as you said, you know it it doesn't always matter how much you know. Sometimes you you just can't see what's within your own kind of field, right? So, you know, for me, it's really about um, finding ways to create space to start to self observe um, and pay attention. For me, especially when I'm in a real state of like feeling panicked or feeling a lot of that emotion, um, writing, journaling, getting it out of my brain can be really, really helpful because A, it's a process of kind of moving through the emotion, but also then you can sit and reflect on it and say like, oh, fuck what I wrote. Uh, I didn't even know I was thinking that thing. Um, it, like you were thinking too, it's about being present. So mindfulness practices, breath practices, if those are supportive for you, movement practices, if that's something that's helpful. Um, you know, for me, sometimes I just have to like hand to heart, take a few breaths, and and be present with what I'm feeling, and that can be really hard sometimes. So if it feels uncomfortable, not to you know, crap uh, on yourself for that, because again, we're just facilitating more of of uh, the stress and uh, challenges. um, Gratitude, being in nature. I am so grateful. It is. I mean, today is a little bit of an exception, but warm, and you know, we can be outside more because that has been really grounding for me. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's just really getting to the heart of what's happening and what we're feeling really challenged by, um, and and just looking at the facts of what is within my scope of control here. Because I think that's the other thing is like. We want COVID to be over. And so we find our minds going through all these things of like, what if the government just did this? And what if so-and-so just did this? And, and it's like, okay, you know, I'll find things to think. At the end of the day, though, I don't have that control. Um, so what do I have control over to help me from the space that I'm in mm-hmm. and what I'm experiencing?
0: I mean, everything that I, I'm, I'm taking notes as you're speaking and everything that you said is so doable easy to implement. It's just about making that commitment to yourself to do it and taking the time. And I always say, sometimes it's about like taking a step back, movement exercises, breathing exercises, and trying to connect with your thoughts a little bit, understand how they're driving you forward. But I always say that sometimes we, we make the situation even worse than it is sometimes in our own mind and taking a Mm -hmm. moment to just be at, peace, right? Create that space. I like how you said, create a space for yourself to self-observe what's happening uh, Mm -hmm. can really help you start to shift your practice and behavior a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of two thoughts on that. One, um, starting really small, because I think, again, it comes back to that body-mind connection of if I've not been doing any of these things for a long period of time, and I'm primed to be in this constant state of stress, to then sit down and like, do a breath practice again might feel right. torturous. Like, don't sit down and think you're going to meditate for 20 minutes because that might not be the reality. It's those teeny tiny little practices of, you know, the other day I was driving and I really felt like happy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to harness this. Like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling really good right now. Like, I'm just going to, the sun is shining. And I like allowed myself to just really feel that for a couple minutes. That in and of itself is a beautiful practice. Um, So I think not, you know, trying to eat the whole elephant, as they say, but just those small bite-sized pieces and being really gentle with yourself to slowly move towards that space. Um, And the other thing too, is that sometimes when we create this space of, of coming back home to ourselves of radical acceptance, you then become clear on what actions you need to take. So, you know, sometimes I think the wellness community, we can get into a space of like bypassing it's, you know okay, do these practices so that you don't feel bad anymore and that you can just move on from the situation. But that's not always the reality. Like when you were speaking of, you know, sexual harassment in the workplace or things like that, that's a highly problematic situation. It's very, can be very traumatic for certain, for some people. Uh, A lot can come with that. So it's to say, you know, how can I present myself in these experiences? And then maybe what's within my control is making a formalized complaint or moving into some sort of advocacy action because, Um, I realize that whatever just happened is not okay. Um, and still being at that space of finding that peace within yourself, but it's a practice and I don't think it's fair or reasonable for any of us to say that you're going to feel that all the time. Um, you know, I don't, I see things that happen in the world and they hurt my heart and they make me angry or they make me frustrated and I want to change it. And then I have to kind of pause and say like, okay, what can I do? And how can I impact these things? I'm not going to turn my eyes away from it. I'm not going to turn away, but I'm going to accept where I'm at, what's within my scope. And then I'm going to make those changes the best way I can.
0: Very true. Thank you. We're at our last question, which is keep it started it, and drop it. Yeah. Okay. So what okay. is, what's one thing you would keep? One thing you would start? And something you would drop in regard to what we discussed today, whether it's in your own life, in your own practice, or even in terms of what people need to do when it comes to radical acceptance and mindfulness and coming home to oneself. So you can choose whether you want to focus it on yourself or you want to talk in general terms.
1: Maybe, maybe all of them or both. Okay. Um, I think for Keep It, I think they apply to both me as well as just what I'm seeing kind of generally. So for Keep It, I'm, I'm noticing um, there's more willingness for people to slow down. Uh, since COVID and, you know, maybe not take on as much. I, I think we've kind of shifted away from that a little bit as this has gone on maybe a lot longer than we had hoped slash thought. Um, so kind of going back into those earlier days of COVID for me, keeping it, keeping things lighter. Um, you know, I, I really liked not having to drive to a million different places in a day or, you know, that sort of thing. So I've, as time goes on, I'm really trying to be intentional about keeping things, space and that ebbs and flows, especially as an entrepreneur. But, um, if I, if I'm not keeping it in my calendar necessarily, then I'm trying to keep it in my mind. Like, okay, April's a really busy month. How can I create a little more space?
0: I like that. Uh, I'm I'm doing that too. I'm realizing I won't spontaneously combust. If I slow it, slow it down. I won't, the sky (laughs) won't fall. If I take a day, if I book a whole day off in my calendar to catch up on to do's, like, and not take client calls. Like I'm, I'm learned a lot by slowing things down or even, even, you know, one of the things I've done to slow down is I don't wake up with an alarm anymore. I let my body naturally wake up. And so that's one of the pressures I was putting on myself that I could, I should wake up at five 30. I should wake up at six. So I just stopped doing that. And you know what I noticed my, I'm starting to wake up earlier and earlier every day. So I like, I like that. I'm doing that too. That's a definitely keep.
1: Okay. What else? Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so for start it, you know, for me, I think um, this is really kind of coming from my own passion point right now. And, and what I'm deep in learning about uh, and really just feeling connected to is this my body connection and how intricate it is and how there is so much connected than I think we realize or talk about, especially in the wellness space. Um, and it can be very um It can be very high level and we're not necessarily getting into the heart of like how we can truly support ourselves as human beings. We're such complex, divine, beautiful things that exist in this world and and we simplify it so much. And, And sometimes that's helpful, but I think sometimes that kind of takes away from our abilities to really learn about what's happening in our bodies. Why in a stress response, we feel certain ways, why it can be so hard to practice things. Like if I'm primed to be in stress, to practice something helpful or, or supportive or nourishing for myself doesn't necessarily feel good. Why is that? It's not because I don't have motivation or I don't have willpower. It's because my body's like, no, we're good. We're, we're used to the stress stuff. Let's stay over there. Um, But we, we tend to get hard on ourselves for those things. So starting to learn more about how through mind-body connection and body-mind connection, we can truly uh, start to heal and and ground ourselves back down,
0: and maybe even prevent burnout. I've been doing a lot of research on burnout, and that your body will give you signs. Usually, you know that there's you're you're, you're getting closer and closer to like being physically exhausted or burning out mentally, physically, and so that mind body connect connection can help you even avoid getting to a severe situation. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Now it's drop it. <clears throat> drop it. Um. Yeah. I think this like. For me, it's this good all over ourselves mentality (laughs) of like, and I'm definitely not the only one to coin that phrase, but it's, it's something that just has always stuck with me whenever I hear it of like, I'm, you know, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I shouldn't feel this emotion. I should feel that emotion. And it's completely bypassing what we're actually feeling and, and, you know, Emotionally bypassing ourselves, this toxic positivity of like everything's fine, just say a mantra that you know COVID will go away and we'll be all fine. You know, it's it's those types of things that I think um, they're they're done uh, most of the time very well meaning. And they don't usually have the effect that we want. And then we end up being the ones shitting on ourselves saying, well, I just, I should have done a better job of saying that mantra in the mirror in the morning, because it's my fault that I'm not experiencing the changes. It's like, no, let's stop with that and just be able to hold space for all of it. Um, One thing that I really experienced through grief was that like, I can feel really sad things And I can also feel a lot of joy at the same time. Um, Grief comes up for me now with my dad around joyful moments, Christmas, my birthday, these things, you know, one day when I, if I have a child or if I get engaged or whatever, those are very joyful moments that I'm also going to be sad in. And so it's that, you know, both and let's not bypass, let's not shit on ourselves. Let's just allow ourselves to be and experience all of it and support ourselves
0: through it. Right. And I read a, a couple of articles on the soul versus the ego. And I realized that when I was shooting all over myself, it was uh, about my ego. And in many instances, that's what—that's the connection I made for myself. I should do this and I should do that. And I should be here and I should be there. And I'm comparing myself to other people. And I'm like, that's your ego that you're trying to feed. What if you just focus on your soul? And to me, that that's the mind body connection. When I focus to my soul, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm living my purpose. I'm making a difference in people's lives. Like I know what my purpose is. It's to help others. It's very much like yours. And so when I feel like I'm doing that, I I feed my soul. And you know what I realize? Even when I start to help myself, uh, and sometimes helping myself is, uh, I'm not going to do this, you know, meditation this morning. I committed to doing it every morning, but you know what? I don't want to do it today. I don't feel like I do. It's not going to feed my soul if I do that today. Getting up and doing something else will will feed my soul better. So that's one of the things that's helped me, you know, drop that shit all over yourself. You said Mm -hmm. something too that I wanted to, to mention as well when you talked about, you know, you can't arbitrarily, select emotions. Cause when you do that, you shut out all emotions. And I know in our society, you know, grief is death or pain, you know, like that comes with the loss of a loved one or, or any other kind of significant loss is sometimes always frowned
1: upon, you know, like don't cry. Yeah. I've, I've Multiple people have sent this to me over the last year since uh, he passed that a quote, and it's quite lengthy, but the, the final piece of it is that uh, grief is love with no place to go. Mm. And I actually said that uh, in his eulogy at the end, because it was, it just was so impactful to me. And I think, you know, a lot of us have a hard time openly expressing and feeling those, those feelings. And I think equally, people don't know how to hold us when we're in those feelings. Um, you know, I had some of the most well-meaning, loving people say things to me that I was like, oh, that's not helpful. But thank you mm-hmm. for trying. And it really made me think about, you know, um if if I as a person wasn't able to hold the experience of grief, how is somebody like, how am I supposed to hold that for somebody else who is experiencing it? I don't know how to experience it myself. How can I hold that for them? And so it, I think it just comes back to that unlearning of bypassing our emotions and disconnecting from them and learning ways to really feel things. And radic-
0: rad- radically accept it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: How can people contact you? I have your the links to your website um, and some other links as well. I'll definitely be sharing that in the show notes. Is there a, a, a better way, an easier way a, way, a preferred way that you'd like people to connect with you?
1: I'm pretty flexible. We're all we're all different. Some people love the social media, some people not so much. I'm uh, learning to bridge that gap of, of loving it and, and not so much loving it. Um, but yeah, you can find me on my website. Um, most of the things that I offer are on there. Uh, I'm getting into the social media game. So I kind of have my personal social media that's open as well as my more coffee coaching and wellness focused page that I'm working on getting, getting going with the help of some amazing people. Um, So yeah, you can connect with me on there on LinkedIn. Um, Don't really do a whole lot on Facebook, but uh, Instagram and website, that's all good.
0: And most people connect with you. Like if you could talk a little bit about the services you offer.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, so for me, I offer um, the one-on-one coaching. So I'll work with people kind of three or six month containers, you know, and we can obviously extend that if that's supportive for them. Um, I am, you know, I, I love doing workshops and facilitating. That's still such a big uh, space in my heart. So working on, on doing some of those things or um, the ability to also customize and work with organizations as well around wellness and things like that, i been doing a lot of that. Um, And yeah, yoga and meditation. I'm really grateful. It's it's trickier right now. I don't love the online format um, for yoga, but uh, I'll do private sessions or or small group sessions for folks who have um, the desire to maybe get into it, but feel a little intimidated going somewhere, a big class or something like that. Um, And I'm really excited. I'm doing just finishing up in a few weeks, uh, intuitive yin yoga training. So really focusing on using yoga and movement in shapes to start to settle and calm the nervous system and really get in connect with ourselves. So I'm really feeling excited about starting to offer that. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I think it'll be more of a series um, because it's something that I think we need to build upon rather than just drop in here and there. Um, But yeah, And
0: that you'll be doing because we're in COVID all virtually. Yeah. Yeah. After COVID, will you be doing it face to face? Do you have a location?
1: Yeah, well, I rented a space just on the south side of Edmonton. Um, So if that is still available, then yes, I'm thinking, uh, depending on obviously what restrictions look like, I'd like once the weather gets a little more consistent to start offering some outdoor drop in classes. Um, I'm a very kind of slow flow beginner based, um, really tune in with ourselves type of facilitator in yoga. So um, you know, it's not the quick, 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 you're going to get a workout. It's usually more kind of slow and inward. So once uh, the weather warms up and it's not currently snowing outside of my window, well, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll look at doing that. And then, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't even know when we will be in person. Right. So right. whatever space I can find, I'll, I'll look into.
0: Do you, sorry. Did, I don't know if you mentioned this. Do you have a newsletter?
1: I don't right now, you know, and I, I've, it's been something I've been pondering uh, about starting up, but that's not something I've ventured into yet.
0: Well, when you do let me know, cause I'll subscribe yeah. to it. And I was going to say, if you can shoot me an email, when you do the, the yin yin yoga is that what it's called the series oh let me know please it's i would love to maybe i sign up for that experience yeah Yeah. i should also state that this will be the last episode for season one and we'll kick off season two some point in september so stay tuned if you want you can subscribe to my newsletter on my website centergapsolutions.com and um, find out when the new season will launch So thank you to everyone for listening today. I look forward to tackling the next issue with you.